Hey guys, today's guest is Oliver Nouveau, the Director of Operations at United Cigar Company. I'm looking very forward to today's conversation, so let's get to it. Oliver, thanks for coming on to Deep Cuts Live. I couldn't couldn't be happier. Love connecting, uh, you know, with new faces, new uh, new people. I know we you know we just talked about in the back room. We we met in passing, but uh, I'm I'm, uh, I'm blessed to be able to sit down with you and learn a little bit about each other. Me too. Like you know, working. I think we were talking about like we had saw each other at TPE, and mm-hmm. I was at PCA last year. It's almost funny. I almost said this year because it seems weird that we're already in a new year. But I remember your your booth that uh, PCA was just surprising. You know, I think people yeah. think that, you know, oh, United is a boutique company, but you all had such a big booth and a lot of stuff going on. It was a, a great presentation. Uh, I didn't have a chance to stop and speak to you at the show, but I did kind of look at your booth and what you all had going on. So um, congratulations on basically being yeah. at that point where you have like I said, you know your stuff, and you have such a, a great presentation of it. Wow, thank you. That, that's that's humbling. You know, working the booths that we had this year was uh, was very different uh, at the PCA. We've you know been fortunate enough, knock on wood, we've had uh, great growth across our portfolio um, with Nelson Alfonso, who does selected tobacco. His booth was absolutely gorgeous it was um you know like a museum but uh but you're able to you know to walk into it you're you know you're you're comfortable walking into it but when you when you see the way the product's displayed you know you're stepping into something special so you know thank you for recognizing that we he put a lot of hard work into into designing that booth and this pca this past one in 2022 was actually the the first year that united cigars separated themselves in a in a way we separated ourselves in a way from the selected tobacco booth itself where in the past we were all together in one booth but as as nelson's lines were growing he was adding this year added the alfonso line added the byron 1850 line and then on the united side we took on distribution for arnold andre which is a 205 year old company uh took on their their products um Terra Nova and Montosa. Then we took on distribution for more lines uh, from Jose Dominguez, from Carlos Guillermo. We took on Jose Dominguez, Hightower. We took on Yaya. So there was a lot of growth on both sides. So we're still connected, uh, and so we were across from each other. But uh, but yeah, a little bit a little bit more separation than uh, than years prior. Well, like I said, it was definitely memorable. So I think you took yeah. accomplished whatever you wanted to accomplish uh, at thank that you, show. Like I said, uh, and I heard a lot of people. Uh, especially media kind of talking about what you all were doing at the show. So um, oh, I think you. that's this a sign that, that you you really kind of maybe find like the sweet spot, but I'm sure you're probably like me is it's never you know enough. Like there's always no. more room to to grow your your brand and what you're doing. Yeah, no, I mean you, you you hit it right on the on the head there. We're we're growing and now we're we're at the very least uh, you know scratching the um you, you know the 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 name and the um you know getting noticed by media getting noticed by consumers by retailers at least you know there's there's something there but there's still a lot of work to be done we're you know constantly working on new new projects new collaborations and then working on existing uh portfolio just to make sure that the quality is there and um you know make sure we're, we're presenting the the right product in the end to the uh to the to the consumer Awesome. Well, before we get into speaking about more about United, 
I wanted to get to know you a little bit because like I said, this is the first time that you and I get to, to speak and I'm always curious about the people behind the brands. I think it makes a, a better connection like when you're in a humidor and you can actually attach a face to a cigar product. It makes it stand out a lot yeah. more than uh, just seeing a box. So um, is it true that you started smoking cigars in 1989? Um. I saw like an interview. Yes. Small batch cigar. And I was like, nice. Yeah. I, I know I was 16. So I, I go back to it and I'm always, you know, now it's, I have, you know, I'm turning 50 this year, man. Um, wow. So, you know, yeah, it sneaks you know, up. Look, that's, I was like, yeah, I was like, let uh, me do the math. I was like, thank is thank this you. the same person? I was like, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I do what I can. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, when, so when I was 16, it was really when I, when I started, and I think that was, that was 89, maybe 88, you know, whatever, give or take, it's been, been a very long time so um you know having family that that smoke cigars my my family's originally from france we uh my parents moved to the states moved to boston uh in 70 just 72 73 um so i was born in 73 so it was right right when i was born uh, i was a, i'm a march baby so they may have been here a little bit prior but um um you know going traveling back to to europe you know, my, my uncles, everyone's always smoking either cigarettes or, or cigars. My father was a, a cigarette smoker and a cigar smoker. So I never really gravitated towards cigarettes. There was always something a little off-putting uh, to me. But um, when I turned, when I was 15, actually, I worked at a at a restaurant. I was a dishwasher. And at the end of the night, you'd have the, the cooks outside, the servers. Everyone's, you know, they're, they're cracking a beer. They're on the dock. They're smoking a cigarette. And I just wanted to kind of be, you know, part of the uh, part of the crowd. So they would give me a beer. They would give me a cigarette. And I just didn't really like it. I was into sports. I, I didn't want to get, you know, involved in it. And, um, you know, one day I just took uh, took a cigar out of my, out of my father's humidor and uh, lit it up. And from what I remember going back, and it always changed, I think it was a Fuente was the, the first one. I remember the Cedar split. So I think it was, uh, you know, the Chateau is what I can, what I can remember. But that was, that was my first cigar. And from there, I just, I absolutely fell in love with it. He had books around. I started reading the books. One of his um, dear friends in the, in the hotel business at the Ritz Carlton was Henry Sheline. And Henry Sheline was a, a huge cigar smoker. Uh, actually wrote a book with, um, with the Miola, who was with, not wasn't Altidus at the time. It was consolidated. Mm -hmm. And so there were, there were books and there was information. We'd go, you know, go on trips and, vacations and you know henry sheenland was there and again big cigar smoker so there was always you know you have this big uh you know this big austrian that had a cigar jetting out of his mouth and always smoking so it was just it was always part of me and yeah when i was 16 was uh you know when i started and then from there just you know blew up uh uh you know just loving cigars and and my first premium box um it was my senior year at at boston college and i bought a 10 count box of teamos that was wow. my first, yeah, my first, my first premium box that I felt like, uh, you know, I, I, you know, started to, uh, started to evolve in the cigar business. It's always interesting because I always ask people what was their first cigar, but maybe even a better question is like, what was your first box? Because that's like a, such a big investment. That's <laughs> you know, a big, that's yeah, a, that's a big that's step. A big commitment, like when you, yeah, say, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to go for the single cigar. I'm going to go for a box now. Yeah, yeah, my <laughs> first box. Yeah, first box that I bought, I actually had a, because we lived in, so my father was in the hotel business, 
and um, you know, spending time, you know, growing up in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Chicago, um, London for a little bit. We we moved around. We ended up in New York City for one year for my freshman year of high school, and um, actually ended up, you know, getting a, a fake ID just to say I was eighteen, mm -hmm. so that we could get into these these clubs to see some concerts. So then a year after, I moved to back to Massachusetts uh, with my family, and I was I was only sixteen. But I had an ID that said I was 18. So my first actual box was a box of it was a 50 count box of Sweeties that I bought for a school ski trip where we all went up to Canada. So not even thinking, not even really understanding, you know, premium side. And hey, we're going up to Canada. I can probably pick up some, you know, some Cubans up there or some nice cigars. I bought a box of 50 Sweeties, and and that was the that was the hit up at the uh, up at the ski lodge. <laughs> Um, you mentioned your father and I, you, him being in the hotel business. What did you kind of learn from your father about business? And like, how did you, like, how have you applied some of those things that your father kind of taught you or the influence that he had on you, like to what you do today? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because there's so much, you know, back then that I'm like, you know, you roll your eyes cause it's mm -hmm. your, your father, but the attention to detail. Um, you know, we would, we would walk into restaurants, you know, be it, uh, you know, an IHOP all the way up to, you know, the, the finest restaurants, um, you know, in, in, at the time, New York city or, or, or around the country or Europe. And it was always these little details that he was, you know, just looking without necessarily, you know, directing it towards me, but just talking about it. So his eyes were always over, all over the room. Um, you know, one, you know, a memory that I have with him when we would, leave the restaurants was at the time there was no internet so you couldn't google the restaurant and see what they're serving look at their menu you know looking at the competition so menus would go in the back of my shirt tucked into my pants then my shirt would go over and we'd walk out of the restaurant with a menu in the back because uh, that was his research so he, he used to have stacks and stacks of menus whereas now you can just you know you go on instagram you can see their their mm -hmm. plate of food you can go online but um, yeah, I would say, you know, the attention to, to detail uh, was the big, big pull away, takeaway from uh, from those years. It's funny how much the Internet has really changed life. And I know we're getting to that point where most people born now have grown up with the Internet. <laughs> right. And I remember 1997-ish or so when, like, you know, we had American Online and you know, the dial up sounds yeah. and stuff like that and how it was like such a, a novel idea. And I think you had like time limits, like you wouldn't just have unlimited internet. You had like time limits that it was yeah. such a weird time of, uh, <laughs> and you know, and it's just like transform business now. It's just like now we're, it's, it's, we're connected all the time, 24 hours a day. And it's just yeah, such a short amount of time. Yeah. Right. When, when you think about it, it's such a short amount of time when you're talking 97, mm -hmm. uh, I was still 20, you know, 20 plus years, but you're you, so much advanced in that time. You know, the, you know, going on the internet, trying to find something there were, you, know, you couldn't throw a GPS on your phone, you know, put it on some magnet that's now on, on the dashboard for you and, and take you to wherever you want to go or switch plans in the middle. If you made plans and you mapped it out, that's where you're going. There's you know, no deviating from it because you know, you, you only have the, uh, the map highlighted or you only printed out uh, whatever you did from, was it MapQuest? MapQuest was. I was about to say it was the MapQuest days. You had the little map, yeah. and you would, even that was like. I remember it was like, oh, like oh my gosh, we got like directions to anywhere we want to go, 
and you were just like sitting there and like trace along the map and now even that is like archaic it's crazy yeah. how how much technology yeah. just has advanced so 10 years from now we'll be in a completely different <laughs> the, the, the 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 there i'm sure there will be like a computer or navigation system built into the windshield and they'll just show you get into this lane get into that lane it'll be yeah you know crazy yeah but anyway yeah, yeah. Sure. How did you get into the cigar industry? Um, so I, I I finished up uh, at BC in '95, and then I started working in in Boston. I was working for uh, you know small PR uh, company and doing doing advertising and, and marketing, and you know just working on um, different events uh, for the company. And then in '90 '97. I moved out to Las Vegas, October 97. And I was uh, just doing freelance graphics. I started, um, you know, doing design work and brochures, business cards for uh, a radio station. There was Carl's Jr. I was doing the, you know, the tray liner and um, just keeping myself busy and keeping myself employed because going from Massachusetts where I had a studio uh, apartment for, I think I might have been paying 1000 or 1100 at the time in the North End. Mm-hmm. to go to vegas with two buddies uh we were renting a house for 900 total three bedroom house for 900 wow. so it was you know we were blown away like you know we didn't even know what to do um so i could just do this you know this freelance work and then in 98 um you know i said it was the spring of 98 i said well, all right i want to get you know something something else a little more you know stable a little more structure and obviously there are tons of casinos there so I was applying for for work um, at the different casinos in the marketing department, and it just you know for me it wasn't the right fit. I wanted to stay away from corporate um, the corporate world because I think prior to that I had seen a lot of friends and and families their fathers were stripped of everything they had done, fired like top CEOs, top guys from their corporate jobs after spending twenty plus years with them. So I just had a bad taste. I didn't want to do it. And, um, you know, I told myself, well, I smoke cigars. Let me see if I can get a discount. I actually looked these guys up in the phone book and started working for Fryboy Tobacco in Las Vegas. And I was just working in one of the, one of the shops. I wanted, uh, you know, something that would give me a little bit of freedom. And, um, that was April of 98. And I'd say within, within a year, I was, um, you know, running one of their, their stores and then, um, helped open up uh, a couple of their locations and then they brought me into the office and started doing their marketing and then turned into um, you know more the more the right hand uh, guy for uh, Michael Michael Fry out there and um, it turned into 14 years with with uh, with Fryboy tobacco so that was the uh, that was a start and then there was a little little dip where I got out of it we with Fryboy tobacco um, we started getting more into hospitality so they opened up Casa Fuente at uh, at at Caesars. Um, then they went into Rumbar uh, at the Mirage. There was a restaurant at the Luxor called Tacos and Tequila. So that was just no no cigars, but just all hospitality. So that was kind of the direction they were going in. And with my background, um, you know, I, I gravitated towards it. I was working at Rumbar and uh, and running that for the opening. But I saw the direction, and I think Vegas lifestyle. The nightlife i didn't want to start working the you know the late nights and the, the weekends mm-hmm. and because i had seen my you know see my father in a hotel and it's just um you know it's taxing it takes it takes a lot of your time away but 
I wanted to get away from that, but I ended up moving to um, to Utah and worked with a uh, a friend out there, and he opened up a restaurant in Salt Lake City and did that with him, and then ended up coming back as the food and beverage director in Massachusetts at the Hilton. So I was out of the business for for a little while, but then 2016 uh, jumped uh, on the United Cigar side just as uh, you know is not really in passing, but it was just a, it was a meeting um that we had and met with david graffalo of uh of, of two guys and he had united cigars and we hit it off and from there it uh it turned into what we have today and uh united cigars so. so i know you handle sales and sales is always something that interests me because i can't imagine myself i, I cringe at having to, to try to sell somebody on something so so what about it kind of appeals to you Hey, that's such a, that's such a lie. You just sold me on the fact that you don't like to sell. <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm not a sales guy. I'm, I'm the same. Uh, I'm not a hard, a hard sell. I, I'm more about building the relationship. Um, when, when I came on to United Cigars in 2016, it was, it was in the sales role because we had, you know, it was maybe 20 accounts, uh, across the country and nobody knew the portfolio. Uh, nobody understood, you know, at the time, Adam and Byron and, and um, you know, it's really let's hey, this is what we have. We have a portfolio of at the time, maybe 12 uh, different brands. Do you want to take this nationally and and see what you can do with it? And, um, you know, I smoked the cigars. I fell in love with them. I thought they were you know great products. Um, the the Adam and Byron, I thought were out of this world. And I took on, as opposed to taking on the role of strictly sales, I took on more of an operations role where, you know, I was using my, um, you know, creative background to start to redesign the, the packaging, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my palette, maybe because of all the, the restaurants and the, the training that I had uh, subliminally received from, from my father, how to, how to taste different tobaccos and how to start blending cigars and, um, you know, so I took on more of an operations role, and yeah, now for United Cigars, I'm um, you know more overseeing the the entire operation. We have we have seven uh, representatives on the road. Um, you know, just bringing on now somebody to oversee the the marketing side of United Cigars. So you know, slowly slowly growing, but um, but it's been uh, yeah, it's been a been a challenge from the beginning. But you know, really for me, build a relationship. You know, sales and money will come after. And I was going to ask you, like, when today when you have to market or sell a cigar, like, how do you do it? And I ask that because, again, when we're talking about, like, the past, it used to be that people only had to, like, throw in an ad to maybe Cigar Ficcinato back in the day. Right. And the cigar kind of sold itself. Or Tobacconist Magazine, I think, was around back then. And, yeah. like, it sold, it sold itself. And now today it's like you have so much going on. It's like... You know, you have Instagram, you have uh, YouTube, so you have you know videos starting to come up as as being a sales thing. So, in your experience, like, how do you you know get your product in front of people today? Yeah, so that's um, you, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge, but it's we're much better off than what what we were before um, because you, we have a louder louder voice. It's easier to reach more people. Um, there are, there are better publications out there, you know, more publications. Um, there are more cigar enthusiasts that are getting behind the camera and starting to educate other 
uh, cigar smokers out there. Um, there are more and more forums on Facebook and um, you know, all these different platforms where people are talking about cigars and sharing like interests and, and cigar might be the common denominator. So when, you know, when, when I'm looking at a, a product and uh, I guess if I strip it down to 2016, when I started with United, it was, it was Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. That, that for me was, um, you know, the, the workhorse that that's what drove um, the awareness of the product. When I, when I was trying to search for anything in our portfolio i couldn't really find it out there there might have been one or two but they were you know older um you know pictures or, or posts and you know i was trying to get the awareness out there so i just started you know building the the account and building the relationships with uh consumers out there so uh i i think you know if it's a, if it's a question of you know a new product in our portfolio or a new you know new company coming out it's it's really you know one obviously you have to have a good product that you believe in um to the the right packaging and there's so many amazing um you, you know amazing manufacturers and and not even you know, not even manufacturer i'd say just entrepreneurs because i think now you have more people out there that don't manufacture the cigar um may not even travel down to you know any of the countries that produce cigars but they have a connection they start working on a, on the packaging because everyone is more accessible now between the the printer, the box maker, so they can they can have all these contacts and actually produce an end product without ever touching tobacco outside of U.S. soil. So, you, you know, you have you have two sides. You know, you have the the one that's really trying to manufacture a product that's on the shelf in the box, and then you have the entrepreneurs that are kind of coming out with these five packs or you know these these one-offs or you know these drop uh, productions that you know it's a short run they have a cigar they put brilliant packaging on it you know some some brilliant some not so much and uh and, and then they they make a business out of it so um you know it's really just i think believe in the product having that enthusiasm behind it uh, and then figure out where to where to launch it is uh is key you know when I think it was last year, I want to say, I was talking to Kathleen Kelly from Queensbury mm -hmm. uh, Cigar Company. She was mentioning, we were typing a conversation about something. And she said, oh, do you know Oliver? And I was like, no. Wow. And she was, and she mentioned you. She's like, how great you are and your sense of humor. And if, you, if <laughs> people know Kathleen, you know, you have to have a sense of humor to, to you know, she's very funny, but she knows her business. Um, and I was, you know, and I just thought, as you just said a few minutes ago, that the cigar industry is so relationship driven. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that you probably are dealing with, you know, retailers more so than almost anyone, um, you know, getting to know them, keeping up that relationship, figuring out what they need, what's not going right. Um, I'm always curious for people who like you who are on the ground, like when you're dealing with retailers today, like what are they saying? To you like what are they dealing with because i feel like their story sometimes get gets a little bit lost in the fold like we only like hear about them when it when it's a trade show season <laughs> and then yeah. they, all, they all come out and then it's like they disappear and and we don't really focus on their story so for you like when you are talking to retailers today we're in 2023 um you know what are some of the issues that they're facing like what are they going through and, and how are you trying to help them united at least with some of their problems yeah so 
some of some of the things that I hear now is the uh, you know some of those pain points. Um, you know, the economy is obviously a big one. Um, I'll kind of keep states and, um, and and you know retailers out of you know out of this you know names at least out of the equation. But you know, just visited one state and there were. Um, you know, there was one store that was just broken into because, you know, those hard times, it doesn't only mean the customer's not coming in and spending as much. Uh, it means that, um, you know, their, they, their sales may be down that day, then they're going home and they have to, you know, go to the, go to the store and buy, buy food for the family. And, you know, it's hitting them there and then they're going home and then all of a sudden they come in the next day and their front doors absolutely smashed in. Mm. And, um, you know, they're, they're dealing with that. So, um, you know, right now, there's uh you know harder harder economic time and you know the you know we see it a, a little bit uh you know even with our, our luxury side of the the atabay environment atabay right now is probably our you know our number one in the in the portfolio um we had big sales right towards the end of the year sold through the line and now we're we have a lot of back orders that will start filling in uh you know this this month that the the product's about to land uh should be next week but you know who knows what's going to happen we're we're a company because i came from you know all sides of of the business i believe that one it's just it's courtesy uh it's another touch on the on the retailer you call the retailer first make sure that they're ready for the product you know hey do you remember you you had this on back order you ordered it this was back in november you ordered it in december it's now back in stock you have four boxes of this two boxes of this five whatever the order is you know, are you ready for, for that? And can we add anything else to the order? It's just, it's a touch. It's common courtesy and there's, mm -hmm. there's cash flow for, for a business. So you want to make sure that you're not just drop shipping them a, a $5,000 order and they weren't expecting that, or they're just about to put in another order for something else. So, um, you know, the, the economic, um, uh, impact is, is, is probably one of the, the biggest issues right now. Uh, I know, you know, what does United Cigars do? Well, someone like Kathleen Kelly, uh, you know, Queensbury, we've worked closely uh, with them and a lot of uh, the retailers in New York because they have a high tobacco tax. So with United Cigars, we protect all of our uh, pricing online. There's no heavy discounting. Um, you know, we don't allow it. There's zero discounting on Atabay and, and Byron. So we try to protect that so that there's at least a, an even playing field. Uh, we have products that that do support those high tax states as well. Uh, we have a line called Dos Ombre, where we actually provide the 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 retailer with their state's tobacco tax back in in uh, in products. So we're we're kind of you know you're looking at the cost of one box. Well, now you extrapolate that over you know more cigars, the cost reduces per cigar, so they're able to at least start to compete with some of those states that have lower taxes or, or no taxes and the online guys. So, you know, we, we try to do what, uh, do what we can, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not, not an easy battle either. Yeah. And I know from, um, some of the pre-interview stuff that we were talking about that, you know, you all are focused on the brick and mortar a lot, um, in every state. And I, I would take that probably, be, um, maybe because of, of Dave, I know being, a retailer, a brick and mortar. Um, just talk a little bit about why brick and mortar is so important. Because again, I think we're living in this digital age where people get focused on online retailers and you always hear this in the cigar industry, like, you know, the online versus brick and mortar, you know, online can offer discounts that brick and mortar obviously can't, you know, and then the consumers 
is stuck in the middle of the manufacturer. Sometimes it's stuck, stuck in the yeah. middle of the metal. <laughs> so yeah. just speak a little bit about the, the, the brick and mortar and, and why that's such a big focus for um, United. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, United Cigars started in 1901 um, as as a retailer, uh, built it up to over 3,000 accounts. And then, you know, unfortunately, the, the company dissolved and uh, and then Dave picked it back up. The, the name the the branding back in uh, in 2009 and yeah he's he's been in retail for over 35 years um he, you know my first cigar wasn't necessarily in a lounge because i was underage but you know some of my best ex smoking experiences have been in lounges interacting with people that i i wouldn't normally have the opportunity to to interact with um the, you know smoking a cigar is very personal um it's very uh it's very intimate when you know you're sitting down you're cutting and you're lighting just the between the heat the um you know the, the flame popping up the smoke the smell it, it touches on all all your senses and to to be able to sit in a lounge um you know, only elevates that experience and if we just concentrate on you know catalogs and online because it's a little bit you know, a little bit cheaper than it is at my local mm -hmm. brick and mortar, we're going to lose that experience. And, it, you know, that's why we, we try to make sure that there's no deep discounting on our product, because when somebody comes into a retail shop and they see our product on the shelf, it might be a little bit more than it would be online only because maybe that state has a high tobacco tax. Right. But if they're supporting the brick and mortar and they're going in on a regular basis and they pay a little bit more it, at the end, it's not going to hurt your pocket. It's going to keep your lounge in business and, you know, keep it going. Um, allow them to provide you Wi-Fi, you know, the TVs, the, you know, the drinks, whatever other amenities they have in the, in the sort of make you feel comfortable. But you know, that's, and, and, and look, if you're in business, um, you know, no matter what business you're in, to sit in the lounge, you're gonna you're gonna network. Um, take us through the portfolio. So I know you have cigars at every price point. Mm -hmm. You have a, a several different brands that you all offer. So what is there to look for? Uh, what is there to look for from United? So so to look for, we we have everything. You know, as you said, from a two dollar cigar, our our Desperado line is a two dollar. Um, cigar, but then we also have the United Pencil. Uh, it's a 28 ring gauge, uh, about a six inch. It's a nice in between cigar, and then it goes all the way up to the Byron 1850 at $75. So there's a little bit of something for for everyone. We have you know we we have cigars produced in in all the the major countries: Dominican, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica. Um, we have something that's mild, medium, full. So the portfolio's there to try, and, and when you're when you're looking at it, uh, you know, if you're if you're a bundled cigar smoker or your retailer that's looking for a, you know, a quality bundle, our classic line comes in four different wrappers. Um, we try to do exciting projects where, yes, we're called United Cigars, but then we kind of incorporate that into our our feel and, and what we want to you know portray as a company. And that's where we do our collaboration. So retailers that are in the United uh, Cigar family, so to speak. Or they're our preferred United Cigar retailers. If they carry the United portfolio, or say they carry the Firecracker, which is a three and a half by fifty with uh, you know with the wick at the end, um, if they carry the United Firecracker, then they have access to these limited releases that we do. And last year we had the Bandolero Firecracker. We re-released the Wise Man Maduro Firecracker from the year before. Um, 
you know, we've worked with Perdomo, which was a phenomenal uh, release for the Firecracker. The the Mikarita um, turned into the Tricky Traka Firecracker, which turned into the Tricky Traka line. So that collaboration and that that worked because you know Steve Sacco wanted to tweak the blend a little bit for the the Firecracker. He ended up turning it into a blend that he really liked and that did really well for him. That he turned it into a line. So. You know, we try to work with with these manufacturers, and um, you know the the lines are 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 fantastic. That firecracker is going to give you a nice you know forty five minutes to an hour of of smoke, and then then it leads into you know La Giana. We make at the Camacho factory, so you got great quality. Um, you know, our Garofalo lines made at, at that's our Nicaraguan that's made at the Perdomo factory, um, Montosa and Terranova. Great you know lines under the ten dollar range. That's a you know another thing with our portfolio. We try to. We try to be budget friendly as well. Uh, you know, provide a great cigar without just putting, um, you know, just putting a cigar out there with a with a price point that, uh, you know, if it doesn't deserve it. But around the eight dollar, ten dollar range, you can have some some great cigars, and, and that's what we we hope we're we're putting out. Uh, we just launched the La Mezzo Cubana last year. It's a nice short Rothschild, uh, great flavor, but it's a six dollar cigar so you can't you, know, you really can't can't beat it it got a 90 you know 90 rating uh for a six dollar cigar so we were you know we were very proud of that and um and then you know then it goes into our you know our, our core united line and uh then you start getting into selected tobacco with the bandolero right around the teens uh that's a cigar that's aged post roll for a year to two years um our red anchor we just launched last year with the with the kellner family at kbf uh, that's a phenomenal cigar, right around the twenty-five dollar price point, but, but absolutely beautiful, beautiful cigar. And uh, and then when you go into Atabay and Byron Alfonso, and uh, the Byron eighteen fifty, those cigars are pretty special because they have that extra age post roll, anywhere from three to five years, depending on the on the line. But uh, what Nelson does, and I, I know we we haven't had a chance to to talk about it, but the story behind Nelson's unbelievable. Um, the, these cigars that he lays to rest after they're rolled um they're placed into a humidor with five different cedars cuban spanish mexican brazilian and lebanese and for one year the humidity is brought down to 40 percent, then back up to 70 so the cigar is breathing and purging any other impurities then after that first year they're taken out of that aging room they're placed into another aging room with the same cedars and it's the same process of 40 to 70 but that first year he wants to make sure that the cigar is done you know it's past that sick sickness point all the ammonias are taken out every other impurity is taken out and then now it can really concentrate on absorbing all those different cedar notes um so it's yeah it's pretty it's a pretty special portfolio when you when you look at something from the desperado at two dollars to the the byron 1850. yeah and i guess if someone is new to cigars and they see these different price points, you know, I think automatically if you're new to cigars, you kind of look at a cigar that's $5 and a cigar that maybe is $30 and you think, what's the difference? Like, is the $30 one, you know, what makes the $30 one a $30 cigar? Like, how do you respond to cigar smokers when they look at price point and they want to know, like, why is this cigar $7 and this cigar $30 or $40? Yeah. So, yeah, you, I mean, there's so many, so many layers uh, mm -hmm. of that. If we just look at, you know, something like our, our portfolio, when you look at say the United, the United line, we, you know, we still want to make sure we're using uh, great, uh, great tobacco. Uh, it still goes through the, the proper fermentation process. So there are, there are steps. Um, 
when you look at the amount of steps that are taken to bring a cigar to market, I'm, I'm always surprised that there are cigars at $2 or that cigars are on average right around $10 because there are so many hands that touch it, the, the packaging and the setup and, and all the factors, the time and, uh, and effort that go into making cigars. So, you know, in that, in that range, everyone's kind of comfortable now with 10 to 12 worlds before a $10 cigar when, you know, kind of when I, you know, started smoking a $10 cigar was like a, you know, a big premium. Like why, you know, why are you paying so much? Uh, I think it was the Diamond Crown that, um, yeah, it was right around 17. And people were, you know, scoffing at it uh, a little bit. And they were like, wow, that's, you know, an expensive cigar. So when you start to go into those higher price points, yeah, what what justifies it? And for for the Bandolero, um, for our Atabay and our Byron, it's the time that's put in the extra aging, um, the extra fermentation. Uh, he, he goes through about five different fermentations for the tobacco, and then the tobacco's aged. Once those cigars are rolled, going through the, you know, just as any scotches or whiskeys or wine, once you're adding five years onto a cigar post roll, um, it it goes up in in value, and there's there's time sitting on on tobacco. Um, so that's where the you know the extra you know the extra comes in on top of the 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 raw materials that are are used and the rollers uh that that nelson in particular you know because the those lines are are uh, a little more elevated in price um you know those rollers roll about 150 cigars uh, a day and that's it and they're capped off there's no there's no rush for them so um yeah it's a little elevated in price but hopefully the the experience that that people have with those lines is is second to none and can you talk a little bit more about Nelson? Because I want to make sure he gets a, a little bit of a spotlight in this interview because I know he's so important to United. And also he's becoming a, a real VIP in the, um, just in the cigar world in general. I see so much, so many people talking about cigars that he makes and um, ha- has a part in. So could you just tell people out there a little bit more about him and what he does? Yeah, uh, yeah, brief, yeah, brief history on Nelson because I don't, you don't know him at all. And and for you, you know, if you have a chance to sit down with him, he's he's an amazing, amazing man. So he was, um, you know, by by trade, he was a photographer, a painter, and uh, you know, just very, a very passionate um, Cuban. And uh, his family moved to Sweden uh, a little while after that. Then they moved back to Cuba, and and that's really where he, you know, got his uh, got his roots and. He was in in design work, and uh, you know, as I said, when he was doing kind of the photography side and the research uh, on history, he started researching the history of of cigars when he met his grandfather for the first time um, when he was uh, 20, 24, I think twenty two, twenty four, and his grandfather was the the grandson of Alfonso that started the Byron eighteen fifty line, and. Um, so when Nelson met him, he just he fell in love with tobacco and wanted to to do more with it. So started researching tobacco. Ended up, um, you know, co-authoring the book, I believe, of the World of Habanos, uh, which is a history of all Cuban tobacco. And once he started to to immerse himself in into that, he was doing um, you know design work and uh, you know working on a lot of the the international brands that uh, that are out uh, on market now either redesigning them because the lithographs had had kind of you know aged out and weren't you know printing as well as they they were so kind of redesigning some uh some of the old packaging and design work with the jars and you know these humidors that were coming out 
And then he started to get into tobacco and, and realizing that he wanted to do something special. So that's where he started to, uh, he had a friend that was uh, in Peru, uh, had a Peruvian farm, didn't know what to do with uh, his tobacco. And Nelson started to, to work with it and works a lot with Peruvian tobacco. Um, and he always says there's a, there's a certain way to, to work with it. He thinks it's the, the best tobacco next to, next to Cuban tobacco. Uh, he said it's the best tobacco in the world. And, and when you use it properly, it's, it's phenomenal. So he started to work with it, and uh, and then that's where he started to develop uh, Atabe, who's the the goddess of the Taino Indians. And the name came from his research when he learned that the Taino Indians would sit in a spiritual circle and and smoke uh, these tobacco leaves that were rolled together. They would blow the smoke to the shaman and tribal leader who was the Bihike, and the Bihike would blow the smoke and the prayers up to their goddess Atabe. So um, that was his you know his his story behind Adabe. he wanted to kind of keep that name uh Adabe for for himself when he was part of the design and and work team for the the new Bahike. um and then the byron 1850 was his family's line in in the 1800s named after lord byron and um he came out with the byron 1850 in the he started to develop uh, you know work on it in the late 1990s and then when he came out and, and finalized the blends, uh, I think those those brands launched right in 2006, seven, eight. So, yeah, he's he's an amazing, um, amazing man. Very humble, um, and um, I, I wish we could see more of him here in the in the U.S. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking like stories like that are what make the cigar industry um, so unique. Yet we don't hear those kind of stories, unfortunately, all the time. So right. uh, I think if more people outside of cigars heard stories like that, then it will kind of give them a different impression of cigars uh, and what makes this so different from a cigarette or some other tobacco product. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's more story. There's more passion um, you know, behind it than you know, just turning on a machine in the morning and you know, making... I don't even know how many millions you know, per right. day that they make. You know? So yeah, there's there's a story behind them. Um, tell us about some of the, the latest releases from United, because I know that people, like I said, hopefully they'll watch this interview and they'll want to run out and, and seek out some of your cigars. So tell them what they should be looking for right now. That's in oh, I hope so. Yeah, so so right now what um what we we launched at this year's PCA, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the La Mezcla Cubana. Uh, was a nice little, nice little grab, um, uh, shorter, shorter cigar, but a phenomenal, nice, easy, mild to medium bodied cigar. Um, the red anchor we, we launched this year at the PCA with, and again, I, I go, I'd say the Kellner family because, uh, it was, it was originally talked about as a project to work with Hanky Kellner because the family came from Holland originally and red anchor was, and is the oldest, uh, cigar brand that, actually adorned a, a, a cigar band and um it was it was a beautiful partnership to to work with them um hanky kellner jr was uh was instrumental in um you know helping with the with the blend and we put that out this year to celebrate the 250th anniversary we only did 250 boxes so this year we'll have uh, more production of the the admiral which is a six and a half by 52 that was the one we launched last year and then we're adding four new sizes this year um should be early spring uh we'll be ready for those uh the firecracker 
is is one that we're extending uh, expanding the line uh we had the the black bomb that was a five pack release uh, a couple years ago and that's now going because it was well received it's going into boxes of 25. so that's our maduro firecracker and then we'll have the the wild rover uh, which would be a, a regular production uh barber pole uh that will be uh coming out as, as well in the next uh next couple of months um and then right right before the the holidays we were able to send out the alfonso line from from nelson uh, and the Byron 1850. Those two lines are aged same same as Atabay and, and Byron uh, for the five years post roll. But Nelson started to use French oak uh, in the in the humor to add a different layer of complexity. He wanted to see what it would it would do, and the, the cigars came out um, you know phenomenal. The uh, the tobaccos aged a little bit longer uh, prior to rolling, so it uh, it offers a, a little more body. Um, there's a little bit more Nicaraguan Lajero in there. And um, it's 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 just a very very well balanced cigar and uh, just beautiful um, uh, beautiful production from him. And then uh, if you if you're out there and you see the Byron uh, Epic Poema Humidor, um, those are limited. We only did we only made 500 of those humidors. 200 were released last year. Uh, we sold sold out of those, and they hold 30 of the Byron Epic 19th century uh, cigars. So. Uh, yeah, there was there was quite a bit that uh, that we had out there, and uh, United's going to go through a little bit of a, a facelift uh, as well coming coming soon. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot uh, a lot of products out there with the United uh, branding or or name on. So keep your eye out. Wow, and I know that you just um, got a new warehouse, you have a new marketing person, so you have so much <laughs> so much going on this year. It seems like it's, like you said, it's like a like the next chapter for united yeah 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 thank you thank you yeah it's been it's been a lot of work but um you know it's it seems to be paying off right now and we're rewarded every time you know someone picks up a cigar off the shelf and that allows us to just hopefully provide a a, a better product uh to everyone smoking out there um as we come towards the end of this interview i always like to ask two questions and i changed them up to 2023 so people wouldn't grow hip to what the questions were but um the first of those questions is, do you have a philosophy that you live by? Always, always do the right thing. I think, um, you know, just uh, in integrity is such a big, uh, you know, a big part of, of my life. I think, uh, I think that would be, yeah, there's no, there's no set philosophy that I have written down anywhere. Maybe, maybe I should, but uh, yeah, it's you know, always do, always do the right thing. Know, do do right by others um and the other question is um i want you to finish this sentence oliver nouveau is <laughs> oh there's so much uh uh it, it is is ha is happy in life um you know there's nothing and maybe it's the hospitality side maybe it's the you know my my french upbringing with uh you know family that was um you know, very down to earth, um, you know, our Christmases and, and New Year's was, you know, always just long tables, lots of singing, lots of wine up until, you know, two in the morning um, and just, just family. And to me, no matter what I do and, you know, Kathleen uh, talked about it, you know, she, you know, maybe a little bit of a jokester uh, when I need to be serious, I can be serious, but to put a smile on someone's face, like that's the biggest reward uh, for me. 
Like it's um, that, that really drives me. And if it's if it if it, it it doesn't have to, it's not necessarily that smile means it benefited me either. Um, you know, I think you know. Unfortunately, we just don't know uh, when someone's walking through life, and and you know, they might be smiling on the outside, or they might be smiling on the inside, and they're not showing it. Just you know, having having that conversation and uh, you know, sharing sharing a smile and a laugh with someone. Awesome. Now, can you, for those people who aren't watching this, can you tell people what website and kind of social media that they need to follow in order to keep up with United Cigar and also yourself? Abs absolutely. So if uh, if you're searching online, you want to find a store that uh, that carries United Cigar lines, you can go to unitedcigargroup.com. And if uh, if you are on social media and uh, you love seeing beautiful pictures from not only myself, but uh, other cigar and United lovers, you can go to uh, Instagram and Twitter. We are at United Cigars. And on Facebook, we're at uh, we're at United Cigar Group. 